you would, take your Bibles this morning and go with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, the song and the testimony, both very appropriate for this morning's message. We're working our way through parables of the Lord Jesus, and today I'm going to give you a message on the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, and some things I hope will be a great help to you. If you're here today and you do not know for sure that if you're to die today, you'd spend eternity in heaven, I'm confident that by the time we finish this message that you'll be able to understand what it means to be saved from the penalty of your sin and have Christ Jesus by faith as your Savior. Praying the Lord will work in our hearts. If you're here and you are saved, you have great reason to rejoice in God's faithfulness. In God's Word, Matthew chapter 13, we begin reading in verse 44, two very short parables that have very similar meaning, something I want you to see in the Lord gives us today. The Bible says in Matthew 13, verse 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. We come to this passage of scripture and we can continue in the parables. A parable is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Something to be reminded about in the parables. As a general rule, parables have one very specific meaning. And you, get, uh, you can get a little carried away if you look for every little hairy detail in the middle of a, of a parable. There's some great truth to be uncovered in parables. But normally it's one primary meaning. And it's, the word parable is to, means to cast alongside. And so what the Lord was doing, he was using uh, earthly things that folks understood to teach spiritual truth. And he uses these, of course, perfectly as our Savior and Creator and God. Jesus is teaching a group of people, and he's going to point them to something today that I think is very important. The, uh, the, the story, the parable, is two parts. The first part is mentions a treasure that was hid in a field. I mean, imagine this with me for just a minute, that a man goes into a field, and in the field he finds a treasure, a great treasure. He hides the treasure, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field because it was such a great thing and such an important thing to him, such a great treasure. The second one is very similar. and You have a merchant man who is uh, looking for pearls and he finds one pearl of great price. And it's the best one he's ever seen. It's the most important one. One pearl of great price. And the Bible says that he sells everything that he has and uh, buys that pearl of great price. And uh, an interesting two little stories with a meaning that I know will help you. Uh, I normally spend most of my time telling you what the Bible means, but Beginning this message, I want to start with this point number one, what this does not mean. What this does not mean. And so we're going to look at this, this story, and I think folks uh, innocently most of the time misinterpret uh, this parable uh, and 
a lot of the times you'll hear people talk about this parable, and I must confess, there have been times in the past where I used this parable to illustrate something that it wasn't. So a lot of folks want to take this parable, and they look at this man who purchases a field with a treasure hid in it and sells everything he has because the treasure is so valuable. And the man is often likened unto somebody that's seeking for Jesus and finds Jesus and then uh, sells everything he has in order to keep Jesus and have Jesus and I want you to know something that's just not the truth about this parable. Some people think that the pearl of great price is Jesus and it's re-emphasized a man is seeking uh, for Jesus and finds a pearl of great price and when he realizes that he's got something of such great value in Jesus that he sells everything he's got and buys Jesus because he's so valuable. That's not what this passage of scripture means. And there's some really encouraging things to mention when we understand that that's not what the Bible teaches. There's a few things that I want to say to you. A man finds Jesus and sells everything he has and gets Jesus. That really does not make sense if you study and understand the Bible as a whole. Uh, You can't buy Jesus. You can't buy him. The uh, first thing I will say, I want to don't get it out of way out of order. The first thing is the treasure was hidden. And it was a hidden treasure. The pearl was something that had to be sought for at great cost. Let me tell you something sweet about Jesus. Jesus is not hidden. He's not hidden. He's available. If you seek the Lord, you can find him. People who have a desire to know Jesus will find Jesus. Jesus is not hidden. Aren't you glad Jesus is ready and available and he wants to be your savior. He loves you. He's not hidden. Guess what? When you find Jesus, you do not want to hide him. I'll tell you, when I got saved, uh, the Lord changed my life. I was just eight years old, but I knew I was a sinner. I'll tell you a little bit about when I got saved, when Jesus changed my life. Uh, I was eight years old, and I remember I wasn't attending Charlie Baptist Church, but some of the children uh, that some of them were my family and cousins, others I was going to school with, there was uh, a work going on in the children's program at Charlie Baptist Church. The Lord began to work in the hearts of some of my friends, and some of my friends had gotten saved. And I remember the testimony of my friends, how they, the best they knew how, explained what Jesus had done in their lives. They said they knew that they were sinners. Their sin, they felt guilt because of their sin, and they knew they were sinners. And they told me as a, as a child, in a childlike way, that they knew they were sinners. And they'd heard the message that Jesus Christ had paid the price for their sins. He died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again and paid the price for their sins. And these friends of mine explained to me that they had asked Jesus and prayed and asked Jesus to forgive their sins and be their Savior. And God began to use their testimony to show me that I needed to be saved, that I was a sinner. Another thing that happened in the process of time of me getting saved, uh, I was riding down the road in my grandmother's car, and she was listening to WHCB 91.5 the Christian radio station in Bristol. And I was just a little boy and a group of children sang a Bible verse song. And you've heard me say this and you'll hear me say it again. The Lord used those little kids singing a song to change my life. You know what the song said? It was pretty simple. The song was a Bible verse. And the lyric was this, Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
And I remember the Lord using that verse in my little heart to make it clear that I needed to be washed clean of my sin. The guilt of sin was something in love that Jesus put in my heart. I knew I was a sinner. As a child, I went home and fortunately, and praised the Lord, my mother knew the Lord herself. And I asked her, I said, Mom, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. She explained to me again that Jesus had died on the cross for my sins. As a child, I asked Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart and save me the best I knew how. And you know what Jesus did? He saved my soul. He changed me. And I'll just tell you something that happened. When I got saved as an eight-year-old boy, I couldn't stand it till I told somebody else. I remember I told anybody I'd listen. As a matter of fact, I'm 41 years old now, however many years ago that was. For all these years, I've been excited to tell people about what Jesus did in my life. He changed me. And I'll just tell you, when you find Jesus, you don't hide him. This man found a treasure and hid it. That's not Jesus. Third thing, this doesn't mean and a reason why it wasn't, gee, we find Jesus and sell everything we have and get him. I want to remind you of something. All you have to sell cannot possibly purchase Jesus. You look at this parable and you think, oh, wow, that's great. I need to sell everything I have because Jesus is so valuable. That doesn't make good horse sense to sell everything you have and get Jesus. For one, everything you have is not that valuable. I don't care how rich you are. And Jesus' love cannot be purchased. Jesus cannot be bought. And by the way, good news for you and me, we don't have to buy his love. We don't have to buy his grace. We don't have to earn it. You can't. When we study this passage of Scripture in its context, it can't possibly mean that our job as people on this planet is to go seeking into random fields for treasures and hide them and then buy them with everything we have in order that we might have redemption through faith. No, it doesn't work like that. So what in the world does this passage of Scripture mean? I'm glad you asked. Point number one, what it doesn't mean. Point number two, what it does mean. Well, that's original, isn't it? What it does mean, let's talk about it just a minute. Verse 44, the Bible says again, that's an important word. You know, context when you're studying the Bible is of utmost importance. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure. So we're talking about these kingdom of heaven parables. We're talking about Jesus teaching and, and wanting to help these folks with these parables understand spiritual truth. Again, we're, and we're looking at this, and so we're connecting this parable to the previous parables. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field. Now, that word field's important is important because we've been seeing the word field before last week we talked about the parable of the wheat and the tares and when we looked at the parable of the wheat and the tares Jesus explains to his disciples what the field is in the story of the wheat and the tares just a few verses previous in verse 36 I want you to see what the Bible says here then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The man in the parable is the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. Verse 38. The field, you see that? The field is the world. 
The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The field is the world. So when we look at this, the field was the world just now. And we come a few verses further and we see again the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field. What do you suppose the field most likely in verse number 44 is? The field's the world. So we have the world, and the Bible says, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field. The which, verse 44, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. So we have next the man. Now, I want to ask you a question. In Matthew chapter 13, the chapter in which we are, there was a man earlier in the passage of Scripture, actually a couple different times, there was a man that went about sowing seed. Some seed fell on stony ground, some folks, some fell on uh, hard ground, and some fell on uh, thorny ground, and we know all those different grounds, which is the condition of our heart. Who was the man sowing seed? It was none other than Jesus. The sower, it's Jesus. Who's the man? Who was the man sowing good seed in the field, in the parable of the wheat and the tares? It was Jesus, the Son of Man, Jesus. And so when we look at this parable... Jesus is not the pearl of great price. He is of absolute, utter beauty and glory and worth. He is not the treasure he had. Jesus is the man. You can say that again, can't you? Jesus is the man. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is the man that is going to purchase the field. Jesus is the man that is going to purchase the pearl of great price. Jesus is the field of the world. Jesus is the man. Then that leads us to the next question. What in the world is the treasure hid in the field? Look at the Bible with me again, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. I want to tell you what I'm confident that the treasure hid in the field is. The treasure hid in the field it's the nation of Israel. Now, let's think about this just a minute. The treasure hid in the field is the nation of Israel. The something that we see here, the treasure hid in the field was purchased. The man finds it and hides it and purchases it. Why in the world is the treasure hidden? The treasure is hidden because the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people are dispersed. They've been dispersed. They were dispersed for literally thousands of years until 1948 when it became a nation, the nation of Israel. By the way, we're praying for Israel today. I think it's no coincidence that this passage of Scripture comes up on this Sunday after yesterday, the nation of Israel suffered such horrendous attacks. We're praying. We've got young man here, Yossi's here today, and his mom and his dad and his sisters and friends and family, they all live in Israel. We're praying for them today. Today they're out of harm's way. But we're praying for the nation of Israel. We're praying uh, for them. And God encourages Christian people to consistently and constantly remember the nation of Israel and pray for the nation of Israel. And the treasure hid, I believe, is the nation of Israel. Jesus Christ died for the nation of Israel. He loves his people. It's a, a fascinating perspective as you study through the Bible. But the Bible teaches that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, all people. The Apostle Paul said it like this, and there's an order, I think, that's important and right and good and fine. For I'm not ashamed, the Bible says, of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You and I most likely are Gentiles today. 
not of Jewish descent. If you are, that's wonderful. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He gave his all. He paid the price. He paid a great price for the treasure hid in the field. Nation of Israel is in the world and there's coming a time in Bible prophecy where the Lord Jesus will save his people. It's a fascinating thing when preaching through Revelation on Wednesday nights. Coming here. Exciting what the Lord's going to do. How the Lord's going to redeem his people. Jesus purchased the nation of Israel when he died on the cross. Paid the price for their sins and rose again from the dead. He purchased them. I love a phrase in verse 44. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hidden in the field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth. And look at the next phrase. For, what's that little three-letter word next? Joy. I'm so thankful to know that Jesus purchased his people with joy. By the way, I'm pretty sure the word joy continues as Jesus joyfully and willingly laid down his life so that our sins could be paid for I'm thankful that he loved me so much that he was willing to die for me. And he did it with joy in his heart. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of Christ. The Bible says it like this, who for the joy that was set before him. He paid the price for our sins. You see, the treasure hid is a group of people that need to be redeemed, his own people, the nation of Israel. But guess what? We don't get left out. Aren't you glad? Verse 45 Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Another man, you see him? Another man. Who's the man? The man's Jesus. What did Jesus do? Seeking goodly pearls. Found the pearl of great price and went and sold all that he had and bought it. The pearl of great price is the church. It saved people. And Jesus Christ, because he valued us, gave his all that we might be saved. He's the paid his all for the pearl of great price. If you're here today and you've been saved by grace through faith, you're a member of God's church. The Lord Jesus saved you. You know him by faith as Savior. You are a part of his great church. You're a part of this pearl of great price. Jesus paid the price for your sins. And by the way, if you're here today and you're out in the field, in the world, and you've never been saved, there's never been a time where you turn to Christ by faith, I want you to know something. Jesus loves you. And he died on the cross for your sins so that you could have everlasting life. When we misinterpret this parable, we tell ourselves that we can be good and work our way to heaven. We can sell all we have and get what Jesus has to offer. But that's a lie. You can't buy it. You can't purchase it. You can't be that good. Jesus Christ is the only hope that any of us have for everlasting life. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And Jesus shed his blood on the cross so that you and I could have everlasting life. Jesus purchased the pearl of great price. He purchased us. We've been bought with a price. Some interesting things about pearls. You could spend a long time talking about this, but a pearl 
comes from a living organism. The only way that you and I have everlasting life is because Jesus Christ lives. He lives. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he lives forevermore. A pearl is formed and began with lowly material. What starts a pearl? It's a piece of sand or grit or dirt that begins inside the oyster itself. And I'm so thankful that God from dirt and filth and sinful humanity like us has covered us in his blood and washed us. A pearl is formed of lowly material. A pearl is the product of suffering and death. Ultimately, the pearl causes the death of the oyster Pearl of great price is the cause of suffering and death. And Jesus Christ suffered and died on our account. Why? He thought you and I were that valuable. I see this man and I see the joy in his heart as he purchases this treasure in this field. And I I see this man, I see that he sees and he sees the value in this pearl of great price. And with, with no regard to himself, he's willing to purchase at whatever cost is necessary. And the cost that was necessary for you and I and any person that's ever lived to have everlasting life was that Jesus would leave the splendors of heaven and come to earth and live the sinless life and die on the cross for our sins so that you and I could trust in him and his payment and his resurrection and his power so that you and I could have everlasting life. There's no other way around it. Jesus said it like this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what it means. Finally, number three, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to me? Well, you're going to have to answer that question. If you're here today and there's been a time in your life where you realize that you were a sinner and you realize that Jesus Christ was the only Savior and that his sacrifice on the cross was what you needed and his victory over death, his resurrection is what you needed in order that you could have everlasting life. There's been a time where you asked Jesus to be your Savior. Then this means to you that you have been the recipient of the greatest act of love that's ever happened. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You need to rejoice and praise him that he saved you, that he bought you, that he redeemed you, that you're saved and secure in him. How does this apply to me? If you're here today and you've never been saved, you don't know for sure that heaven's your home. This applies to you today. As you sense in your heart, the Holy Spirit has made it clear that you're a sinner your sin has condemned you. The Holy Spirit is beginning to work in your heart and show you the filth and the guilt that you have and the need you have for a Savior. You need to turn to Him today. Let me share with you just a very simple gospel message presentation. God loves you. You see, when we look at this pearl of great price, we're reminded again of how much God loves me. He loved me so much, He's willing to give it all in order that I could have everlasting life. He loves me for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves you. Here's a humbling truth from God's word. All men are sinners. You know, some people have the idea, 
And they like to look at a parable like this. They say, you know, if I give everything I've got, then the Lord will love me and forgive me. It's not about what you can give or what you can do or what kind of religious activity you can be part of. All men are sinners. You see, the Bible teaches us that if you're guilty in one part, just one sin, you're guilty of them all. Your sin separates you from God. All men are sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Oh, I love it when the Holy Spirit in love puts in the heart of a man or a woman or a child that guilt of sin. What God used in my heart was the testimony of some of my friends. What God used in my heart was a group of little children singing in a choir, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And I'm like, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. I'm condemned. I'm a sinner. Your flesh is going to resist that. Your flesh is going to say, you're not so bad. Your flesh is going to say, oh, everybody sins. Everybody. You're a sinner. And your sin condemns you. See, the sad truth is all men are sinners and sin must be paid for. See, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Wages, you understand that? That's what you get paid. What you get paid for sinning is death. And I'm not just talking croaking here on earth. I'm talking about death and hell forever. The second death. Punishment and payment and penalty of your sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Your sin must be paid for. How are you going to pay for it? You can pay for it yourself, but it'll cost you all of eternity. And the debt will never be paid. Or you can accept the gift that Jesus Christ has made available. You see, when Jesus purchased the pearl of great price. When Jesus died on the cross, the sinless Son of God, when Jesus went to the grave and rose victoriously, Jesus purchased you and I. He paid the price for our sins. The only way for that transaction to be complete is through faith in Him. The Bible says that the way that we get saved is this. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. You're here today and you've been around long enough and you've heard enough from the Lord and the Holy Spirit's shown you in your heart that God is true. That Jesus is the only Savior. The Bible says with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And then it continues and says this, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You're here today and you know you're a sinner. You know that Jesus is the Savior. What you must do is you must humble yourself and ask Jesus to come into your heart to forgive your sins and be your Savior. And he will. The Bible says it like this. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. That's you and that's me. But you must. But you must. You see, Jesus purchased us the payment has been made. All you have to do is receive the free gift of salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful. That's not what I do. That gives me hope for eternity. It's what Jesus has already done. And if you're here today and you've never been saved, 
You've never come to that point where you ask Christ to come into your heart, be your Savior. Oh, may today be the day of salvation for you. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we have. He taught us this parable and pointed to what he would soon do. He purchased us the pearl of great price. Put your trust in Christ today, I pray. With your heads bowed, eyes closed.